What's going on, y'all? I'm here for my podcast. This one's going to be called Chico Metrics. I'm going to stick with this name for the rest of the podcast. Uh, my friend Corn, he was the one who gave me the idea, so shout out him. Uh, let's get right into it. I'm going to talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers knocking off the Indiana Pacers by a score of 104 to 100. Uh, LeBron was the leading point getter for the Cavs in this game. Um, 46 minutes, he, he had 32 points, 13 rebounds. And seven assists on 12 for 22 shooting. Uh, DeMontis Sabonis was the lean point getter for the Pacers. He had 19 points on nine for, nine for 12 from the field. Uh, one for one from three. Six rebounds, no assists. So first I want to talk about what happened at the end of the game. So it was a six-point game with not, not that much time left on the clock. Uh, Indiana inbound the ball to Victor Oladipo. He hits, a, he hits a three in the corner to make it a three-point game. The Cavs then inbound the ball to Jeff Green. Uh, he got tied up with Lance Stevenson. It appeared as though it should have been a jump ball, and that's what the ref called it. They went back and reviewed it. They ended up calling it a foul on Lance. And then Jeff Green knocked down one for two from the line, making it a four-point game. Bogdanovich comes down the court, misses a three. Uh, Cavs get the rebound, and that's the end of the game. In my opinion, that was a horrendous call by the ref. Uh, in my opinion, it should have been a double tech because both of them were doing hostile acts, as I like to say, which I don't even know what the hell that means, but whatever. Uh, Lance did drag him down to the ground, but he also did have possession of the ball, and so did Jeff, which should have made a jump ball, but the rest ended up not calling it that way. Uh, they end up saying Lance was responsible for a foul. Jeff Green, as he was getting up, appeared to... It, it wasn't a punch. It, it, it looked more like a slap. It looked like he slapped Lance Stevenson in the stomach. So, in my opinion, based on how they called the NBA nowadays, that should have been a double technical, and they should have had the jump ball. But that's neither here nor there. It was a three-point game. Uh, Jeff Green is six foot ten. Lance Stevenson is six foot six. Jeff Green probably would have won the jump ball, giving it back to the Cavs, which would have ended either way. But I guess we'll never know. Uh, that was a really gritty game. It was actually a really fun one to watch. Uh, Cavs got off to a big lead. Uh, at halftime, uh, Pacers made a gritty comeback in the third quarter. It was going wire to wire down the stretch, and the Cavaliers ended up pulling away late. In my opinion, the Cavaliers, they're a bad basketball team. It was a two-man show. Uh, as I said, LeBron James, he had a great game, 32 points. Uh, Kyle Korver, though, he was the difference down the stretch. They were actually losing. And then Corver hit two threes. The one was in the corner to make it a two-point game. Uh, Pacers come down, miss a shot. Uh, they Cavaliers get it back. Uh, they set a they set a screen for corner, for Corver, excuse me. Uh, he runs up, hits a three off the screen, and that pretty much put the game out of reach, ending it in favor of the Cavs. Uh, besides that, no one else really stood out in my mind. J.R. Smith, uh, he didn't have a great game, but he did hit a 70-footer, which was absolutely insane. That was one of the craziest shots I've ever seen in a basketball game. Uh, 
That kind of reminded me of Taj Gibson when he was on OKC last year. He hit one kind of like that. He actually threw it up like it was a baseball, and it landed right in the hoop. It was a crazy play. But J.R. Smith's shot was unreal. Uh, I was watching Sports Center. They didn't give it the number one play. That should have been the number one play. That was a crazy, unbelievable shot. But the Cavaliers, their body language is absolutely horrendous. For me, I judge how players are going to play based on their body language. And the Cavs was awful, uh, especially Jordan Clarkson. Uh, there was a play in the third quarter. Uh, it, was a mis- it was a miscommunication on defense uh, with Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance. Or no, it was actually in the fourth quarter, excuse me. And I think Thaddeus Young had an easy dunk. And Jordan Clarkson put his hands up in the air. And you could tell he was kind of like moping around out there. Like, get over it. It's a playoff game. You give up a shot, I get it. Who cares? Go back down, get a bucket, next play, and then we could, we could forget all about it. But he was moping around for a couple possessions, and then he got mad, and he tried doing it all himself. Uh, he had a one-on-one play with Corey Joseph, and Corey Joseph absolutely clamped him up. And then I believe Jordan Glickson was taken out shortly thereafter. But... Body language is key for me. The Cavs do not have good body language. In my opinion, uh, the Cavs would have lost his game if Victor Oladipo showed up. While he did have 17 points, he was only 5 for 20 from the field, 3 for 8 from 3. His third three-pointer was at the end when it didn't really matter. If he shows up, Pacers win that game, plain and simple. This series, though, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that the Cavs will win. Uh, They did tie it up at 2-2, and it is going back to the queue in Cleveland. But the last three games have been decided by three points. It's it's been a super gritty series. That's been a fun one to watch. Uh, In many people's eyes, um, they thought the Cavaliers would sweep this series. It has not gone like that. The Pacers... They're a gritty team. They're well coached. Nate McMillan, he deserves a lot of credit for what he's done this year. So does uh, Kevin Pritchard, the GM. Uh, He was absolutely killed for that trade where he sent Paul George to the Oklahoma City Thunder in exchange for Victor Oladipo and DeMontis Sabonis. They turned out to be great contributors to this team. Victor Oladipo is obviously the number one option, an all-star this year. He's going to be the most improved player. That's no doubt about it. That should be unanimous. Uh, Sabonis, he's improved a lot from last year. He's gotten way better. Uh, his mid-range jump shot is actually like really good. Really good. Much improved from last year because he wasn't that much of a shooter last year. But he's definitely improved his game by a lot. So shout out to him. But, yeah, I don't think this series is going to be a foregone conclusion. I honestly think it could go seven. Uh, The seventh game will be back in Cleveland, which I think gives them an advantage. But as I said earlier, I'm not sure that the Cavs are that good of a basketball team, but they do have the best player on the planet, which makes me think they will get out of this series. But then again, I'm not 100% sure. So I also want to get into another thing. 
So I have two players, player A and player B. So player A is the fourth option on his team. He's 24 years old, 15 points per game, seven rebounds per game, three assists, 45% from the field, and 39% from three during the regular season. Uh, During the playoffs, player A is averaging 19, 42% from the field, and 44% from three. Player B is the second option for his team. He's 29 years old, uh, 18 points per game, nine rebounds, two assists, 45% from the field, 41% from three. Uh, Player B's playoff stats is 12, 11, and one, 40% 40 from the field, and 39% from three. Player A is Dario Saric, and player B is Kevin Love. When Dario Saric first joined the Sixers last season, I thought he was going to turn into a Kevin Love. But in my opinion, Dario Saric is already better than Kevin Love. Kevin Love was an absolute stud with the Minnesota Timberwolves, so I'm not really sure what happened. People say he's shooting too much threes, you're stretching him out too much, you got to get him down low and let him do his work. But today, they did give him the rock a couple of times down, or yesterday, excuse me, they did, give him a, they did give him the ball a couple of times down low, and Thaddeus Young was absolutely bullying him. Uh, he ripped the ball away from him on one possession, and then Kevin Love was complaining to the rest for absolutely no reason. Didn't get back on defense. He was lucky that the Pacers didn't get a three ball, because that could have put him up by a good amount, and that could have been a difference in the game, and Kevin Love would have been made the scapegoat. But Kevin Love last night was 2 for 10 for the field, over 3 from 3, 5 points. He did have 11 rebounds, but he's playing center for them right now, so he should have more than 10 rebounds. And when you're the second option on the team, and you're playing like that, in the playoffs, that is absolutely disgraceful. Meanwhile, Dario Saric, who's a fourth option for his team, is a leading point getter for the Philadelphia 76ers, who have been manhandling the Miami Heat. Not only that, but Dario stays more healthy than Kevin Love. Dario missed six games all season. Kevin Love missed 30. As I said, Kevin Love is also 29 years old. According to NBA Minor, the prime years for a player is between 27 and 30 years old, unless you're LeBron James. But LeBron was built in a video game. He's not human. Kevin Love turned into an average player. He's not that good anymore. He's soft. He's still a good shooter. But when you're playing the center position and you're getting bullied by Thaddeus Young, who's way past his prime, there's a problem. There's definitely a problem with that. And Dario's only 24. He's going to be better than Kevin Love is right now. And will probably be better than Kevin Love ever was. Even though I know Kevin Love was a stud with the Timberwolves, he's just not that good of a player anymore. And Dario Saric is going to become an absolute stud. And he already is a stud. But he's going to become even better. So therefore, Dario Saric is a better basketball player than Kevin Love. 
the 76ers will be taking on the Heat on Tuesday. They're up 3-1 to one in the series. The game will be back in Philadelphia. Uh, they're 10-point favorites in the game, which is kind of crazy considering it's a playoff game. But last game versus the Heat, the 76ers had nearly 30 turnovers. That's right, 30. And they still won. Joel Embiid had his worst game. Probably of his entire career, to be honest with you. But he still dropped the double-double. And sent Goran Dragic layup attempt into the bleachers. That game defined the city of Philadelphia. They showed grit. They showed passion. And most importantly, they showed a desire to win. When you have nearly 30 turnovers and win a game down the stretch, they were down for most of the game, to be honest with you. They made a two-point or a four-point game uh, at the end of the third quarter, and they came out cooking in the fourth. I, I cannot say enough about this team. This team is one of the youngest teams in the NBA. When you have nearly 30 turnovers, chances are a young team like that will roll over, give up, especially on the road, in the playoffs, in a tough environment like Miami. But they said, nope, we're not going to roll over easy, and we're going to show you what we're made of. And Philadelphia showed me what they are made of, and I absolutely love it. I love being a Philly sports fan right now. But, sadly, the Philadelphia Flyers yesterday were eliminated by the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, I didn't even watch any of the game. I actually fell asleep. I was tired. I took a nap. I had to drive home from Pittsburgh. Long drive. I was exhausted. It's whatever. I went back and watched the game, though, just because I wanted to talk about it. Uh, They lost by a score of 8-5. to Super high-scoring game. Uh, pretty back and forth. Uh, the Flyers actually went up 4-2. Sean Couturier scored uh, 45 seconds into the second period, but then the Penguins ended up making a comeback and getting the W. I want to talk a little bit about Sean Couturier, though. This man had five points. He had a hat trick. Not only that, he was playing on a tour in MCL. I don't know if you guys saw what happened uh, in the Flyers' practice the other day. But Sean Couturier was coming down the middle of the ice. Racco Racco Gudis, a defenseman for the Flyers, was doing a separate drill. They ended up running into each other. Uh, It almost looked like a hip check from Gudis. And Couturier got absolutely destroyed. I didn't know he had a torn MCL which would have knocked him out for at least four weeks if this was the regular season. But this is the playoffs, and this is Philadelphia. And it's ice hockey, which is, or which further cemented the argument that hockey players are the toughest players. Or hockey is the toughest sport in the world. So shout out him for that game. He was absolutely unreal. Uh, I wish we won it for him, but sadly, we weren't able to do it. 
Uh, Jay Gensel for the Penguins played out of his mind. He had four goals. Uh, two of them were just tap-ins. Another one was, was a nice little goal. Um, seems like for this Penguins team, you just have random guys coming out and just stepping up in the playoffs. You have Gensel, uh, Brian Rust. He, he's been a key contributor for them in the playoffs. Uh, not as much this season, but or not as much this postseason, but last postseason. He was an absolute stud. So, good for them for moving on, even though I don't like Pittsburgh. Uh, they still have a great hockey team. I like I like watching dynasties. I like watching great teams. And we'll see if they'll be able to win the Cup against, again this year and go back to back to back. But I got a little bit off topic there. I want to talk about the refs in that game. They were absolutely disgraceful, horrendous miserable. I, I don't even have enough words in my vocabulary to describe those refs. Because that was... I don't know what they were watching. Chris Letang took out Sean Couturier. Uh, he was going for the puck, and he did get a piece of the puck, but he absolutely tripped him. Sean Couturier almost did a backflip, or a front flip, basically. It was crazy. And there was no call Literally five seconds later, Jay Gensel scores on a one-timer, beating Michael Norberth. I don't know what the refs were watching. They were, they were terrible. They must have not wanted to see a Game 7. I guess they want to see Pittsburgh have a three-peat. But whatever. I can't blame the refs for the whole game. Um, goaltending was bad. Michael Norberth, 27 shots. Uh, he made 20 saves, which if you all don't know, that's not good. I believe that's like a 780 save percentage. Goalies in the NHL should have between a 910 and a 920 save percentage. That's for the good ones. And Michael Norbert did not play like that. He did not look good. The Flyers, they're going to be good next year. Much improved. Uh, they were already good this year. But they absolutely need a goaltender. Brian Elliott. Uh, he was good during the regular season. He did get injured for, for a while, but he's not the answer to our problems. Michael Norberth, uh, he, he gets injured too much, and today he, did, he didn't give me any confidence. He did not look very good. Uh, Anthony Stolarz, who was in the AHL this past season, but I believe he was out for most of the year, he got hurt. Uh, we haven't seemed to display that much confidence in him, so I don't know if he's going to be the answer, the answer to our problems either. So we really need to address that. We do have a young guy by the name of Carter Hart. Uh, he plays in the Western, the Western Hockey League, I think. Uh, he's good, but he's only 19 years old, so he's got a couple more years of, de of development to go. I do think he's, he's going to end up being one of the top goaltenders in the NHL. We drafted him in the second round a couple of years ago. But as I said, he's young, so I don't really expect much from him or to hear much about him for at least two years, which is when I think he'll be called up to play for the Flyers. So, yeah, that's about it. That's all I got on my mind. Uh, if you listen, I appreciate it. Uh, I'll probably be back with another one either tomorrow or Wednesday uh, or tomorrow or Tuesday. I might wait till Wednesday till after the Sixers play because 
I want to talk about that game. Uh, I'm hoping the Sixers can win that game and end the series and then move on to play either Boston or Milwaukee. And I'll talk about who I'd rather see. So, as I said, thank you for listening. This is Chico Metrics. I'm your host, Chico. I'm out. Thank y'all.